Dice Company contains fantasy violence, mature themes, and unapologetic bickering. No feelings were hurt in the making of it, but listener discretion is advised. Dice Company will always be free, but it's not free to make. Please consider supporting us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts and get access to our weekly roundtable show Extra Roll. Just follow any of the links in the show notes for this chapter. Welcome one and all to Dice Company, where a group of old friends weave tales of triumph, heroism and despair under the guise of playing Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Tom, and I'll be your DM through the continuing adventures of this party of tea-sipping diplomats. Tea-sipping diplomats, please introduce yourselves and tell the audience one fun fact about your characters. My name is Charlie. I play Vander Finnick, and my fun fact for this week is about Benny. Benny is not a Rojan. At best, he is a Tyro, which is to say a Rojan in training. You can't actually be a Rojan unless you have been ordained by one of the members of the council, of which there are 12. Fun fact, though, there are 12 members of the council, but nobody knows what happened to them. That is law accurate. Were you worried that Vander was coming across as too appealing and you thought you needed to dial it back a little bit? (laughs) I I was very much in the land grab for fans. (laughs) Success. He prefers to have 100% of the public against Vander. (laughs) That rogue fan out there who was like, yeah, I still think Vander might be a good guy. He's gone now. That light just went out. I'm watching the live stats. I actually think you're being a little bit harsh towards Vander. Seems appropriate. Oh, buddy, oh, pal. Yeah, exactly. Vander is everyone's friend. Now we know who the fan is, don't we? He's the DM. <laughs> I thought, well, I won't go that far. I, I want that stricken from the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, you edit it, so crack yeah. on. <laughs> I would say I think that's a very good fact. Hi, I'm Harry, and I'm playing Tok. Although Tok learned much of nature and artificing from Tick, he also had other teachers. The dwarf Snorri Surlison uh, taught him smithing in an abandoned mine in the mountains of Kolar Fife. Alchemy was taught by a half-crazed gnome, Jingo, in the Moonshadow Mountains. And herbalism was taught to him by a squirrel on the plains of Asmodeus. Sounds like public school. I love it. I absolutely love it. Another law-friendly fact. Fantastic. It's really, really good. Um, the squirrel is a is a mite concerning, I'd say. Must be a very intelligent squirrel. They know a lot about nuts. If you're, if you're a squirrel that doesn't know much about nuts, you truly are fucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, wait, is that why squirrels are so high in Tok's list of top 10 animals? Either that or I panicked and uh, came up with a random list from Wikipedia. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was intentional. Okay, actually, I'm going to cut in there because I think my fact was so good. I'm going to bless Al. <laughs> he gets his fact at advantage. Excellent, excellent. Showing your lack of knowledge of what bless actually is. <laughs> Memory stat <laughs> upped. Oh, plus D4. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex and I'm playing Augustus. And my fact this week is that Augustus is a big fan of the current pecking order in the group, which is as follows When something's risky, we send in Benny, our sneak. When it's dangerous, we send in Tok, our armor-plated non-killing machine. When certain death awaits, we send in Vander, because what have we got to lose? And when it's a champagne reception, we send in Augustus. <laughs> I withdraw my blessing. <laughs> Dad, Augustus feels sad again. I don't know, pretty sure the rest of us are going to at them. Oh my God, that's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> 
We are three for three on facts once again. At this point, it might be worth me just not mentioning that you guys give good facts. I think you've now established that you're good fact givers. I just like the pressure of three for three. I can see you. Speaking of which, Dave. Hello, I am Dave and I play Benny Quez. Previous facts have made it seem like maybe... Benny's life has been one of unrelenting misery. And while his early childhood in the orphanage wasn't a lot of fun, he did actually have quite a good time as a as a youth becoming a petty criminal and hanging around with a gang of ne'er-do-wells. Uh, he's still in touch with the uh, aforementioned Boffo the Gnome, the only person he trusts to cut his hair, and also a human friend called Alicia in Middleton. He's actually, when he had a, a moment to himself recently in Slateholm. He used his criminal contact skill to get a message heading back to those two to see what's going down in Middleton. Amazing. Really, really good fact. And I'm now going to have to make a quick note of the names again. Obviously, Boffo's going to show up to cut your hair. Uh, the other one was Alicia? Yeah. Like that. And uh, apologies for just chucking in that I've been using criminal contact and <laughs> never mentioning it previously. That's cool. I'm, I'm used to it with you guys. It's fine. I wondered, well, I thought I could say I'm about to do it. And then I thought, no, that's rubbish. because That's just crap. That's not foreshadowing. That's just <laughs> saying what you're going to do. So I decided he's had a moment at some point. So, you know. Good work. Well done, everyone. And you know what time it is? It's listener fan mail time. <laughs> You mean complaint time. <laughs> um, and today's wonderful piece of complimentary fan mail comes from Tim from Adelston. Tim says, firstly, Gary Pencil for Prime Minister. Yes, finally, someone who understands. I love the podcast. It's great, especially your total lack of understanding of anything boaty. Rude. I have a question for the group. Do any of you realise that ickle, fluffy, stargazy talk is a secret sociopath with his regular references to dealing with characters while finding things acceptable that are not acceptable. Do we know that in character or is that, do we know it out of character? <laughs> Either, both. I couldn't be more in Tim's wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> in character, absolutely not. Out of character, yes. Tim is clearly just specious because talk is merely non-human. That's an outrageous way to talk to one of our <laughs> beloved listeners. I think the only reasonable argument I could put back to Tim is that if we were to restrict ourselves to having such high-minded ideals that we weren't prepared to associate with people we know to be sociopaths, then um, we really couldn't operate. Bander be out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We can't we can't afford to have such a picky ways. Yeah, we're literally a group of people who are competing to stuff a spreadsheet full of all the things and people we've killed. <laughs> I would say the only person who would be left in the party if you removed the sociopaths would be Benny. And he might he might actually genuinely like that. I don't think Augustus is a sociopath, maybe a shallow nitwit, but I, I think that like Tok literally slit the throat of an unconscious person on the ground. A dead person. Well, th making sure people are dead is a creepy thing to do. Oh, not when they're really <laughs> creepy shadow vanguard. I mean, I really thought that that was going to bite us. <laughs> Sounds like the defence of a sociopath. Tok has literally killed the fewest people in this entire campaign. Facts. Not through lack of trying. Also facts. Oh, yes. I mean, if you went to a hospital morgue and someone was just going around making sure, like, that's, not, that's not all right, is it? <laughs> but we might call that person 
A sociopath. <laughs> we wouldn't call him a sweetheart, would we? <laughs> and yet. And yet he didn't kill the, 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 that character. I mean, hang on. Who, who, who... We're not, we're not putting Vander on trial here. Who knocked her out and set her on fire? Uh... <laughs> I made it, I put her to sleep, I think. And who set her on fire was to sleep. That's what that's what the histories will say. After he walked up and mind spiked her whilst she was unconscious. Again, that that is a fallacious accusation. <laughs> and on fire. Who set her on fire? Was that was that Bardle? No, that was uh, Vander as well. Oh, Vander. So I'm just, yeah, okay. When they sing the songs, this will not be a verse. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, Tim. I hope that's cleared things up nicely for you. Fox <laughs> a sweetheart and uh, Vander's a sociopath. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks for right. listening. Wunderbar. Uh, let's roll on with the latest chapter of Dice Company. Previously on Dice Company, you guys teamed with local hero Bardle Shorts and entered the Topaz Keep. You did so in order to steal the plans for the Steamrunner before they could be passed to the Empire's proxy, the Tamrace Foundation. Using a variety of Bounder and Shadow Vanguard disguises, you passed without issue into the vault of the Mayor of Slatehome, Doxy Abelman. But rather than choosing violence, you took a diplomatic approach, convincing the Mayor to hand over fake plans to the Tamrace Foundation while Bardle took the real plans to hand back to the people. In the vault, the mayor warned you of a planned attack on the new settlement of Haven by the shadow vanguard known as Morvan, he being the one who launched the attack on the original Haven before you sent him off in the wrong direction. You avoided the bounders returning from the false lead planted by Benny. You said your goodbyes to Bardle before ducking into Snapshot's tea house to gather yourselves. Armed with both the information on Haven and Morven, and a sack full of items from the vault, but with a lack of supplies, you are plotting how best to proceed. It is the 12th of Gladden, eight days before the summer solstice festival. The tea house is bustling with activity. Gnomes fill the tables, but you are lucky enough to get one available for yourselves, with Tick having to stand and slightly blocking the path of the servers. Despite this, the owner of the establishment maintains a kind smile as she bellows out orders and instructions to her staff. What would you like to do? Right, lads. Well, from what I can tell, we need to get ourselves together and get to Haven. Don't think we got a load of supplies, have we? So I think a little bit of shopping might be unavoidable, but I'm keen to get going as, as soon as possible, I think, and, and let them know what, the, what what's going on. Indeed, there is a shop called Floral and Hardy that we should visit. It sells seeds, food, and other supplies. Right, that sounds spot on. Yes, I have some supplies to pick up too. I agree. Oh my god, firstly, you all agreed on something. Astounding. And now suddenly a dumbfounded silence as we were like, hang on, what do we do now? We've agreed. I'm assuming Benny and Tok have a loyalty card at uh, Floral and Hardy, <laughs> their names on it. And secondly, you guys are actually doing a shopping trip. It's not magical supplies, is it? It'll be fine. At the point of agreeing, our friendship collectively imploded. We created some kind of singularity and now we have no idea how to behave <laughs> around each other. It's been fun, guys. <laughs> that, the adventure ended. <laughs> well, Top was going to suggest we buy some supplies for the um, for New Haven to convince them to, to move again. And for us. So for New Haven, we're going to need basically seeds for 
them planting a new settlement uh, and some food to tie them over, then we'll need basically food so we don't starve. And maybe some from Rosalind as well, so she doesn't starve. And then I thought maybe like a cart and a mule or a donkey or something to carry it all. Like it. Okay. And then we're heading for New Haven, basically. Is that the scheme? Yes. In terms of like helping the New Haveners, Tok was going to suggest that we scout for a location to drop them off at before we go there because it's much easier to convince people to move if you have like a destination ahead of time. So Benny looks deep in thought and says, the only thing concerning me is how they knew where New Haven is. And if we move them, are they just going to find them again straight away? That is an intriguing possibility, Benny. Intriguing is an interesting word to use in that context, Talk. I'd have gone for horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of two strands there, right? They, they seem to have incredibly unluckily managed to put their new settlement in the way of some sort of railway development, which we don't need to be worried about. But we also think the Shadow Vanguard Morven is specifically tracking them. Is that correct? And do, do we think he knows where they are? I can't remember how we knew that. The mayor informed us it was overheard from the Shadow Vanguard Tiara. So basically, we don't know how they might be tracking the Haveners. But I mean, when they tracked us, it was with a sort of crystal. So I guess our first thought would be that somehow, I mean, there could have been an extra crystal on our ship in the first place. And maybe somehow the Haveners took it with them. I can't see how, because Morven can't have bugged them, can he? Because he never got among them. There are many ways in which they may have tracked our friends to their current location. I think our only course of action is to keep our ears and eyes open as we investigate and look for signs that the Empire is aware of our plans. Vanda, is there any possibility we could cast some sort of protections around their new location when they get there that might stop any sort of magical tracking? Here, a circle of salt will stop a witch. Is more than a witch? I don't believe so. Have we tried dunking him in a river and seeing if he floats? Because a job for talk. I mean, he almost pulled our airship out of the sky, so I'd love to see us try and dunk him in a river. That's true. Way heavier than a goose. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> there is an abjuration spell of non-detection that may be cast. Maybe if we combine that with salt, we'd have something truly powerful. The spell is not known to me. Banda, is the spell known to you? I'm afraid that spell is not known to me. Though, of course, maybe in our trip we can look for knowledge as well. Maybe protective spells can be found somewhere in Slate Home. Well, whatever we're doing, we're going to need supplies, aren't we? So maybe that's our first step. Agreed. Agreed. Let's get some salt and any possibly useful magical supplies that might help us conceal our dear friends from Haven who we met once. Tok is going to pass the little tablet thing he's got over to Benny, which is going to read on it, can I have the cat totem thing? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Tok takes it back, he's going to look through and just look around the tea room for a Shadow Vanguard listening in to us because it's a sea invisibility token. That's how they're <laughs> tracking us, they're here. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, they've just been listening in the whole time. You place the cat totem up to your eye and look around the tea house and you see no shadow vanguard there are no hidden people at all while you're holding the cat totem up to your eye the owner of the establishment comes over hello there what's that you got then uh, it's an automaton oh you're funny yeah i do my best i do my best and um, stood before you is a old gnomish woman very difficult to place her age but it's many hundreds of years old She's wearing swirling silk-like robes and has roughly applied lipstick and a kind of hair done up into a, a loose bun. And she has a kind smile. 
That looks magical to me. Uh, I, well, we haven't quite worked out what it is, really. He's just, uh, I think he's trying to figure it out, but his memory banks don't compute or something. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I get you, I get you. It's not just tea that I serve here. I also have some magic items if you're in the business of buying. Oh, lovely. What, what sort of things are you talking about? Well, from my last adventures, I got a, myself some uh, leather armour, which I believe belonged to the goddess Callisto. I also have a pair of elven boots and a uh, this rather fancy rod with a horse design on the end. And she points to the wall where the items are currently hanging. I say, what's, um, what was Callisto, what is Callisto, the goddess of? Callisto was the goddess of fire. Oh, that sounds like quite a handy thing to be the goddess of. You can see how some Callisto are based on, and that'd be quite quite handy. Well, it means that you can't be affected by flames of any kind. Very nice. It's a bargain as well, 4,950 gold coins. Oh, just the, just the 4,950. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's very reasonable, but uh, unfortunately, a little out of my price bracket at the moment. But um, worth bearing in mind, if I do come into any money, I'll be right back. Vander hobbles over to the staff, or the rod, sorry. I'm going to look intently at it, but I really want to do a check to see if I can discern its properties. Give me a investigation check. Uh, 15. The rod looks extendable. There is a button on the top of the horse's head that if you push it, it extends out. You've seen this kind of item before. You know it as a immovable rod. So if you are to place it in place, it cannot be moved. Many uses. Fascinating artifact. How did you come across this? I don't mind telling you that I was adventuring with some rather handsome humans over in Corlar Vale in the mountains. And we found ourselves an old tomb of some lich. Within there, there were these items. We managed to actually use the rod in order to escape out of a crumbling bridge. Artistry. What would I have to pay to persuade you to part with this fine example magical artifact? Oh, well, the price tag is on the item. And she reaches and turns it and it says 6,875 gold coins. Intriguing, Fanda says. In a slightly pained voice, I will consider this. Thank you for telling me of its history. Fascinating, fascinating. Never let it be said that Batilda Snapshot doesn't offer the finest wares in all of Slate Home. Such a, such a weird combination of things, like tea and biscuits and priceless artifacts. Would you like it? Would you like a crumpet and the crown jewels? Uh, we don't have any crumpets, I'm afraid. <laughs> but I can offer you a sticky bun, eight copper. Wonderful, thank you, madam. Yes, please, two. I'll take a sticky bun, thanks. Okay, two and um, your good self? She points to Vanda. Something finally in our price range. No, thank you. I uh, have my own culinary delights. Do you wish? And she runs back to get a sticky bun for Augustus and Benny. Can you each take eight copper out of your coin purse? Please? Already done. <laughs> So, Al, it, it's a bit of like a D&D um, tradition that old adventurers always, like, buy a pub at the end when they retire. Like 80s footballers. <laughs> it's one of the many crossovers. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising number of crossovers, if we're all honest with ourselves. Shop at Bassistutas and then uh, go down to Terry Fenix for a pint. <laughs> don't, know where, don't know where Terry Fenix came from. Proper deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Toc will uh, remove the documents and books that we 
got from the Topaz Keep and uh, share them with the party, especially Vanda, who I imagine will be particularly interested in them. Vanda, as clearly the books, uh, the, the group's bookkeeper, takes hold of the documents and begins to peruse. So the majority of stuff that you manage to gather on closer inspection is actually gold-plated crockery and cutlery rather than solid gold. Even though it's quite heavy, the actual total value is only about 15 gold coins worth of gold items. However, you do also find in it two books, a bundle of parchment, and a strange bag that makes a bit of a rustling sound when you shake it. As you investigate further, the books are Gastronomic Gnomish Goodies by Domble Salt Flicker, Volume 8 on Halfmen and Aberrations. There is a bundle of blank parchment worth around 10 gold, as well as two golds worth of enchanted ink and three gold worth of normal ink. And when you open the bag up, you are met with a bitter roasted smell. Before you lies a bag of dark brown beans. They smell roasted to the point of being burnt. Despite that, the smell is not unpleasant. Discovered coffee. Oh my god. Three days later, there's ten branches of Costa in Slayhome. Gentlemen, I don't suppose you'd mind if I took possession of the parchments and inks? I find that acceptable. Excellent. I believe Rosalind would care for the book of gastronomic delights. Of course, of course, Vander simpers as his gnarled hand makes its way in the direction of the beans. The beans appear to be of the family Rubicae, the genus Coffea. They are of little value. Well, do you reckon maybe we could see what um, our generous host Batilda could do with these? Selling Batilda magic beans. Interesting. I do not believe the beans to be magic, Vanda. And I was going for giving, but, you know. But why couldn't they be beans we found in a dangerous quest of unknown value? Vanda says, smiling with all three of his teeth. Tok will move his uh, faceplate close to the beans. I believe these beans will not germinate. They have been heated beyond the germination point. Batilda arrives and hands over the two sticky buns. Batilda! I was wondering if we could interest you in some of our finds. I'm always interested what you got. Well, for you, only the finest. And Vanda moves the beans into her eyeline. Have you ever come across something quite as exotic as these? Is that chocolate? It, is it actually chocolate, by the way? The species is related. These are no normal beans. These beans we found in a dangerous quest, you see. Many magical properties, some of which are beyond our skill to discern. Very expensive, though. Give me a deception check. This is just appalling for bad, but there we go. 24! Yes! Oh, got them adventuring, did you? Hmm. They smell somewhat bitter. Don't take too much of the scent in. We are not sure if the scent itself has a magical property of its own. I've seen these beans do incredible things. Shall we say 500? 500 copper? I was thinking more gold. 500 gold for some burnt beans? Magic beans, says Vanda very enthusiastically. The beans are from the upper slopes of the mountain range, far to the south of the Kerbera coast. They are a long way from home. Exotic, faraway magic beans, Vanda says. Benny is sort of ducking away and kind of making it clear that he has playing no part in this transaction. <laughs> Don't mind my colleague, he fears the beans quite right too. No, he doesn't fear the beans, he fears you're a lunatic. <laughs> 
she's not really paying attention to Benny. She's kind of stroking her chin and looking at the beans. Hmm, magic beans. I swear there's a kid's story about that, but I could probably spring to 60 gold coins for them. Well, Vanda says, looking upwards, we are on hard times. It would be difficult to part with something so valuable. 75? Okay, you've got yourself a deal. Excellent, Vanda says, his gnarled hand, reaching out and placing the beans firmly in hers. A pleasure doing business with you. And she picks up the bag, sniffs it, and kind of her eyes dart left and right. Hmm. And she goes to the back and begins pouring hot water into pots. You can make split 75 between the four of you. Done. There we go. Vanda, the magic potion from these beans, what properties would you presume it would have? The first, I would imagine, is to do with disappearance, specifically our disappearance. Uh, shall we leave this place? I fear we shouldn't stay much longer. Yeah, thanks, Vanda. A pleasure. Next time you're going to make it impossible for us to return to a pleasant location, could you let us know before you start on your schemes? Of course, of course, Vanda says, appearing to take no notice. Because then I'll savour it a bit more, you know. When we go into a nice place, I'll, I'll realise from the off that we'll never get to come back. And I'll just maybe appreciate it a little bit more. Benny, might I suggest that everywhere we go, you should assume we can never return? Yeah, I'm learning that, actually. I'm learning that. As we're leaving, Tok's going to ask Benny, But Benny, why can we not return? Uh, well, Tok, we can't return because... Vanda has tricked the nice lady who owns the tea emporium. She might end up as the billionaire owner of the world's first coffee chain. Very impossible. Although, as the beans have already been cooked, it's hard to see how she's going to grow more coffee. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably wise not to all travel in one big group, isn't it? So if we got a couple of places we need to go, might it be worth splitting up? Our last shopping trip, we'd suggest we should arm ourselves and stay together. But sure. <laughs> go, let's go back to back, weapons out, and move yeah. as a sort of We've many legged. Never creature. been in more danger. Tok can't really do actual uh, actual shopping, can he? Because he's uh, he can't really talk to the locals in that way. Let's cut the deck in a different way then. Let's have Augustus with Tok because he's a nobleman and he might well have an automaton and then let's let vander and benny do the acquiring all the various clever things we need and tok and i will go and get a donkey and a cart clever things do we need <laughs> uh so tok will give you a list if you want yeah so seeds and food so we need stuff that will last a long time so like grains hard vegetables squashes seeds for a summer planting so again like potatoes and uh, i think we're too late for wheat but most vegetables should be uh, should be good to plant. But I think we will need a cart if you can acquire one. And there's a couple of extra things Tok will put on the list. Various plant roots, a bag of, of, of varied nuts, hard fruit, and snake meat, if you can find it. I just want to point out, you are a supermarket nightmare. You imagine coming in various roots. <laughs> Which aisle can we find those in? He'll write down a list of various roots and nuts and things for you to purchase. Anywhere we might find a cart in this town. I would imagine you'd be able to find it at Calhoun's Woodworking. Excellent stuff. <laughs> Next to Gearheads. Uh, yeah. uh, DM, which, which place do I need to go to for parchment, printing and so forth? Floral and Hardy. Okay. Benny, do you fancy a stroll to Floral and Hardy's? I have some business there. What could be nicer? But, uh, you know, as I say, give us the heads up if you go into the Swindlem and uh, I'll... Save the atmosphere. Of course, of course. Thanks. thanks. And Vander rises painfully to his feet, 
and begins hobbling in the direction of the door. Um, Augustus just leans in towards Benny and says, he's going to swindle them. I know he's going to swindle them, Augustus. A fine day, Vander says as the door opens. Uh, so you make your way through the streets of Sleetholme. It's a beautiful sunny day still. Any sign of the running bounders has disappeared and you're able to move through the crowds quite easily. You split up at Floral and Hardy and Vanda and Benny, you head inside. Benny, you have obviously been here before and the gnome with the moustache greets you. Hello, Benny. Hi, pal. How are you doing? Not bad, thank you. Having a pretty good day yourself? Uh, not so bad, thank you. Not so bad. Um, I've got a fairly long list of uh, stuff I need here. Can I just um, hand it over to you and, and, and see what you got? Oh, of course you can, of course. So I, uh, I pass him over the list of, you know, seeds, food, plant roots, nuts, etc. And I say, oh, and any if you've got any ale or anything like that, that'd be uh, that'd be a nice touch as well. Ale, yeah. Um, how much do you need? Oh, how much would, you know, four people need for a week? Barrel? Yeah, but yeah, get us a barrel. Barrel be nice. Thanks. Oh, and you brought a friend, a new friend with you? I brought an acquaintance. Yeah, yeah, his name's Vander. Well, thank you, Benny. A pleasure to meet you. <laughs> Vander shambles up to the uh, the counter. What's his date and place of birth? I really wanted Vander to have to come up with a new identity completely <laughs> off the hoof because I wanted to see the return. Oh, sorry. I don't know. But still, yeah, that was I lovely. I didn't think. Uh, how can I help you, pal? Well, the list would be excellent. I do have a few requests of my own. Uh, what soups do you have? Soups? Yes. Oh, just just your basics, you know, leek, tomato, swede. A few of each, please. And uh, any chocolate? Oh, chocolate. No, you're not going to get chocolate here in Sleetholm. Vanda looks a little crestfallen. But change his subject. I also have a request regarding... Printing, do you offer such services? I could certainly hand copy some parchment for you. Excellent. What is it you're trying to uh, write? Vander hands over the parchment he has. I need a hundred letters, please. Short notes, if you will. I have an inscription here I would like to be copied onto each. And uh, he passes over the inscription, which I've just sent to you. Benny would like to try to sort of lean over to see what it is that Vander's up to. So I don't know if... Are you trying to be secretive about this, Vanda? It seems like you are. No, no. Just another chore, I'm afraid. Nothing exciting about this. Vanda smiles. So, Vanda, you're happy for Benny to see what's on the parchment that you're sliding across? He passes it over face down. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Hardy of Floral and Hardy picks up the parchment and gives it a quick read. Vanda's going to slip over a single gold piece. I prefer discretion, if you understand me. He continues reading and then puts the parchment face down on the counter, slides the gold coin into a drawer under the counter itself. No problem. How many copies did you want? One hundred, if you please. You understand that it'll be quite expensive? Talk to me about prices. I couldn't do it for any cheaper than three silver per copy. That is pricey. But it must be done. Vanda says, and with that, he shakes the person's hand. He shakes it back. Mr. Hardy then turns to Benny. Your new friend. Quaintance. 
Your new acquaintance, he's a good one. Banda smiles wanly. So he puts the parchment into the drawer. Uh, if you come back in about an hour, I'll have that done for you. I'll now toss up your list for you, Benny. All right, cheers. I look confusedly at Vanda with a fair amount of suspicion. I think we must both face the possibility that I am again concealing something from you, my friend. Oh, I hadn't considered that eventuality. Whatever next? Whatever next? What a time to be alive, Vanda says, <laughs> as he turns in the direction of the door. Um, Hardy, while he's gathering your supplies together, he turns to you again, Benny, and says, uh, Benny, this snake meat, Hi. Uh, do you want it prepared somehow? I've got, I do have some, but it's a little bit unusual. Uh, I guess maybe salted for, um, you know, make it last a bit longer. I can do that. Thanks. And uh, you want it in with the rest of, like, the nuts and the... Maybe keep it separate, thanks. No problem. Augustus, you guys make your way through Tinker's Alley, uh, past Gearheads to Calhoun's Woodwork. Push the door and a little bell rings. And inside you find all sorts of intricately carved wooden furniture and various other wooden items. Behind the counter is a female gnomish woodworker who is currently working on a chair leg. In the shop is an old gnome with a bald head and white tufts of hair coming out of his ears with thick black spectacles and there is also something of a street urchin gnome who's just walking around the shop oh hello there uh, so in his flawless gnomish good afternoon my good gnome may i trouble you for an excellent and sturdy cart yeah i can do you carts that's no problem you don't have to speak gnomish common's fine Wonderful. How big a cart do you want? I should say to carry four humans and a substantial amount of supplies. A four-wheeled cart, I should say. Fit to be pulled by two donkeys or a, ho- a strong horse. Do you want a cart or more of a stagecoach? Well, stagecoach, you say? Augustus raises a waspish eyebrow at Toc, who presumably doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on. Augustus is supposed to go and get a like just a cart to get like a bag of wheat on it to come back with a stagecoach. <laughs> Tok will will hold the uh, the tablet up that will say uh, smaller than stagecoach and give some dimensions like four foot by eight foot. Okay, Augustus turns back to the to the gnome and says, uh, "How much is the stagecoach?" I mean, if you want your personal livery painted onto it as well, naturally, then I could do it for but no six hundred gold coins. Well, I. I must admit, I left my uh, heavier wallet in my other trousers. Could I, what could you provide me stagecoach livery-wise in the 400 gold range? Can I have a perception check, please, Augustus? 13. So 400 gold, I I suppose I could give you a slightly smaller stagecoach with livery design if you're after that. Not the not the top model, obviously. My, my heart rather yearns for the top model. Give me a persuasion check, please. So Toc just stands there motionless, like uh, clearly just in complete indecision and uh, doesn't like doesn't know how to deal with this at all. <laughs> He'll hold out the tablet again and Augustus probably isn't reading it. Augustus doesn't look at it, but he rolls a 26, natural 20 for persuasion. Well, I suppose I can allow the top of the range to go for 400 gold. Am I going to need like four horses? Two horses and you'll be able to pull it. 
because I'm, I'm literally dumping all my cash on this. Why? Great. <laughs> why, why indeed? Why indeed? I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm 100% committed now. So uh, we needed a cart that cost 15 gold pieces. Well, why buy one for 15 <laughs> when you can buy a, a stagecoach with your livery on? And now I realize I need to, I need to obviously be some sort of disguise livery. Uh, and uh, that's fine. If you'd like to tell me what your livery is, then I can get it painted on there. It'll only take about an hour. After she asked the question, there is a series of very loud bangs that come from your pocket. Okay, Augustus, I guess, puts his hand in his pocket to try and find out what the fuck's going on. Inside you find a, like a, a small handful of paper-wrapped items which appear to be banging and popping and causing fizzing and sparks. The old man begins to chuckle loudly. Uh, Tok will investigate them. Okay, give me an investigation check. They're like those little paper things with a gunpowder that you can throw. How did they get in my pocket? Tok will investigate the, uh, the little bangers and report back to Augustus about what their chemical composition is. Uh, well, Augustus is also going to quickly check that all, especially his money is still on his person. All of your money is still on your person. Anything else important missing? Nope, nothing is missing. Okay. You turn and you can see that the old man is sat on a rocking chair and laughing quite hysterically at it. Ooh, I didn't mean any offence. Just a little joke. <laughs> well, let's hope I don't play a joke on you in return. Oh, honestly, it was only meant as a bit of fun. It's quite harmless, I promise. Um, Augustus tries to smile, but in that sort of disconcerting way of someone who knows he's now have to, he has to take this as a joke, but he has no sense of humour when it comes to jokes at his expense. I can I can tell that I've offended you. It's not what I meant. That's not what Mr. Fizzlebottom's all about. Uh, please uh, allow me to make it up to you, kind sir. Uh, not to worry, Mr. Fizzlebottom. I should say that uh, that name is probably punishment enough on its own. I've always quite liked my name, but please let me let me whittle you something. Would you? Would you? What's your favourite animal? Dogs. <laughs> what eats dogs? Bigger dogs. Mr. Fizzlebottom, I do apologise for my extraordinarily rude attitude to your very funny and charming joke. I would be delighted if you were if you would whittle me a heron and Ariana. If you would kindly paint a heron as our livery, I would be most grateful. Of course. Is the heron standing on anything? Uh, yes, please. It's standing on an apricot. Oh, okay then. Uh, heron stood on an apricot. Correct. Okay, give me about 40 minutes. Ariana, could you procure me a team of horses? The finest the city has. Riding horses. Stagecoach pulling horses, I was rather thinking. You wanted the finest, uh, or did you just want ones that will pull the stagecoach? Imagine the finest and then go slightly better than them. Okay, um, I, I can find you the finest horses in all of Slate Home, two of them. There'll be 90 gold apiece. Wonderful. I will talk to my comrades and see if they can locate my other wallet-bearing trues. I believe there is a map shop opposite your fine establishment, and I intend to go there and procure some maps. Good day. He turns smartly on his heel and leads Tok across the road. As they're walking out, Tok will ask, Augustus, our needs may have been met by a more humble vehicle. A simple cart would have cost a significant amount less. Talk merely meeting one's needs is a dreadful, scraping way to live life. Let us 
proceed now with a more ambitious outlook to the map shop. <laughs> Just struck Tom Tom dumb with this absolutely <laughs> stupid <laughs> attitude. Uh, he'll follow you into the map shop. Now afraid that I'm going to buy gold-plated maps. <laughs> no, because you've got no gold left. <laughs> I've got 28 gold left. Vanda and Benny, you have an hour, Vanda, until your uh, printing work is done. Is there anywhere else you would like to go in town? Benny, I do need to visit a tailor's. I would suggest a lander's if you're amenable. Yeah, go on then. Excellent, excellent. Vanda begins hobbling. It's probably a probably a big mistake, but let's give it a go. We'll see what happens. Vanda and Benny, you head north towards the Sapphire Promenade, making your way through the incredible design of gnomish builders of beautiful townhouses in a variety of pastel colours. You head towards an area where you know that Alanda's shop is. It sits opposite the incredibly opulent-looking Batistutas, and it appears to be quite a humble shop, which is slightly at odds with its surroundings. You've got to hand it to the gnomish people, haven't you, Benny? They do know how to build, Vanda says, looking in awe at the architecture. Yeah, it's right. Impressive, to be honest. I've, I've never seen out like it. You enter Elanda's plain tailor's shop. As you push the door, you are met with an immaculate interior. It's small and quite plain, but incredibly neat and clean. There's a simple red rug which covers the majority of the wooden floors, and there are three wooden mannequins wearing suits in various states of construction. Elanda is knelt by the hem of a pair of trousers, and he stands up and welcomes you. Welcome, my friends. How can I serve you today? Good afternoon. A pleasure to meet you again. How is business? says Vanda. I've just done a fitting for the mayor. It went very well. She told me not to mention anything that I may or may not have seen. The delights of a good conversation, Vanda says, clearly reassured that that's happened. I was wondering if you would do some, well, embroidery for me. Certainly. Nothing too fancy, just an embroidery on the inside of my cloak. Specifically, and at this point, Vanda takes out some of the parchment he has and scribbles an image. Now, it's very plain, quite rough, but looking at it carefully, you can see that in basic terms, it is the outline of a heron. Give me a performance check, please. Certainly. 13. Quite an artistic work. I like it. Yes, I can absolutely stitch something like that for you. And you want it on the inside of your cloak. That's unusual. Yes, not a flashy man, me. Just like to have the embroidery done. Would this cloak be acceptable? And Vanda points to the cloak he's wearing. Elanda nods and then looks at your mask and then back at the cloak. Yes, I think that is perfectly acceptable. I can absolutely do that for you. How much were you looking to spend? Nothing pricey. A simple embroidery is all I require. I could do that for 20 gold. I will be expecting quite fine work for 20 gold, Alanda. You will find my work is the most spectacular tailoring you have ever seen. I'm sure I will. And with that, Vanda begins to take off his cloak to pass to Alanda. As he does so, some of the damage that's been done to his body is now visible for the first time. 
Alanda gets a particularly good look at Vander's left arm, which is withered by quite horrific scarring. Some of the scars are quite shallow in nature, but others go deeper and into the musculature itself. It's clear that the arm's function has been drastically reduced by the damage. But looking closely, there is a sort of gruesome artistry to it. And it's clear that even now, those wounds will never entirely heal. Elanda looks at the scarred arm, takes the cloak and carries it over to one of the mannequins and puts it on and gets out a needle and thread with various different colours. That is quite the scarred body, if you don't mind me commenting on it. Yes, yes, I suppose it is rather obvious, isn't it? I happen to be the canvas of the work of quite the craftsman, master of his profession, though I can't pretend it wasn't a hard-won artistry to observe. You seem quite open-minded about the trauma that you've obviously encountered. One of the benefits of gruesome torture is it opens one's mind, particularly to the small pleasures in life. Vanda is shivering quite visibly, though, even at the quite mild cold. I don't suppose I could prevail on you to hand me another cloak while I await my embroidery. Of course. And he walks over to one of the mannequins and pulls off a plain black cloak and brings it over and actually puts it onto your shoulders for you. Vanda's very ragged frame gratefully receives the cloak and he wraps it around himself. Hmm. You do have an open mind, the true essence of intellect. How delightful. The Heron Insignia, a family crest, is it? Of a sort, I would describe it as a new family, one that's yet to be fully formed. And what happened to your old family, one wonders? Another story, my friend, for another time. And he continues to embroider. Then he looks at Benny. And... Benny, was it? It was. How did you come across Vander Finnick here? Well, Vander employed me for a, a small job, and he has come under the impression that he's the boss of me ever since. It would describe us more as that family we just discussed, wouldn't we, Benny? Wouldn't we, Benny? Kind of where I'm going with that. <laughs> I can see the early beginnings of a familial relationship. One wonders where the truth lay between the two of you. I suspect truth is, does not come easily to your lips. We don't operate in a profession that lends itself to a full honesty, but there we are. Quite. Truth is tricky. I don't necessarily believe in truth myself. It always feels like telling the truth is its like wearing a lack of imagination on your sleeve. A sleeve, of course, being something I'm particularly good at adjusting. Elanda, please don't encourage him to become even more evasive than he already has been. He don't need it. I look at you in your hooded cloak, Benny, and I wonder if you're evasive yourself. I wouldn't have said so. No. Unless it's needed, obviously. In which case, I'm quite happy to be evasive. When is it needed? Well, when someone's after you. Oh, paranoid. No, just as usually people after me. Paranoid is what they call people who imagine threats against their lives. It's not paranoia if the threats exist, is it? Exactly. Physicality is so often the father of great skills, Vanda says, enjoying the conversation. What about you, Alanda? You know, don't take this wrong way, but you don't come across as a 
chap who just works in a tailor's shop. Oh, I don't just work in it. I own the tailor's shop, um, and I am a master craftsman. You know perfectly well what I meant. <laughs> oh, how very blunt. How disappointing. Oh, so we have this, uh, you know, Vanda loves to talk in riddles, and that's all lots of fun, and you two have a whole conversation that sort of goes over my head. And then I duck in and ask a direct question, and that's sort of our dynamic, you know. I understand. Okay, I can I can handle directness. Ask a question, and I will give you a direct answer. You spotted straight away in the vault at Topaz Keep that something was up. How? I have a very keen eye on human behaviour. I always have. I was trained in the observance of human behaviour from an early age, and it is a skill that I like to keep fresh. And where did this training take place? In my homelands far to the west. You're from Cantioch? Farther west than that. I'm a member of the Illyrium race. You probably haven't heard of us. We're very, very secretive. Not sure I knew there was a further west than Cantioch. It's always further west, Benny. Well, eventually, you come round back, don't you? <laughs> oh, I do admire your bluntness. My race are warlike and paranoid. They don't have time for artistry or craft as, unless it helps them in their continuing battles against unseen enemies. And so I left, and I travelled to places where they're more accepting of someone with a skill such as mine. Interesting. Particularly interesting that you chose to make Slate Home your place of abode, if you don't mind me observing this. I find Slate Home to be an interesting place, full of warmth and good humour, excellent conversation, and it's always a good opportunity to meet adventurers such as yourselves. A good place to be a tailor, and probably many other things beneath that. It's me calling you an adventurer. It seems like such a shallow description of your actual talents. But yes. Indulge me. As someone that's more than a tailor, tell me of some other skills you possess. <laughs> well, I am, of course, only a plain and simple tailor. There may be other skills, such as you have other skills. And I will be happy to tell you what I can do if you tell me what you can do. I see. I guess we're all really tailors in this conversation. <laughs> well, only one of us is embroidering. I'm a thief. Ah, there's that bluntness of Benny. It's to be respected. Have a conversation where someone says one thing and the other person replies directly to the thing that's been said and then the other person replies directly to that thing. It's exhausting, you guys. But it's like a dance, is it not, Benny? We must always try and understand and gain information through the subtle use of language. You say what you want. I tell you if I'm able to do it. I say what I want. You tell me if you're able to do it. Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll leave you and Vanda. You're obviously having fun. I'll just uh, I'll have a sit down and, and let it wash over me. Can I get you a cup of tea while you wait? Oh, that would be lovely. Thank you very much. And he goes to the back. So yeah, Vanda takes a seat also. Tuck and Augustus, you march your way into Ajunta's maps. It's a it's a rather large shop, very dusty, and there are coiled maps everywhere, floor to ceiling. There are aisles filled with maps as well. There's no one currently behind the counter, uh, but there are three gnomes dressed in roughly made suits with cloaks of different colours of greens and brown and one yellow. Uh, they've got a curly mop of hair each, 
and they're excitedly looking at a map that they're all holding together. While Augustus is clearly going to go and talk to those gnomes, Tok is going to start perusing the uh, the maps on the shelves, looking for a map of the mountains to the north of Ovik, particularly in the region butting uh, Roanoke. So uh, I noticed that there are lower foothills leading down into the, the Roanoke Plain, and he wants something basically on the other side of the mountains from Slate Home, somewhere looking for a place basically for um, for New Haven to resettle, and he's just going to go from map to map. So Augustus goes closest to the gnomes. He's not, I don't think I'm going to barge into the conversation, so I might overhear a little bit unless they're going to immediately turn when I appear. They're quite loudly and excitedly talking while pointing at points on the map. I mean, we could go, we could go all the way, right, all the way to Lunadine, and then I bet we could find ourselves some kind of passage over to Cantioch. Oh, well, that would be the furthest away from home I've ever been. Oh, hello there, stranger. Good afternoon. Uh, can we help you with something? Well, I'm looking for a map. Do you have maps to maps? Oh, we we don't work here. We're buying maps too. We're we're off on a grand adventure. Sounds fascinating. What what do you need a map for? Where are you going? Well, I'm looking for a map of the mountains to the north of this fine city. I, myself and my friends, would like to do some mountain climbing and adventuring. And those mountains I hear provide some of the finest climbing in all the lands. Is that is that the, the mountains near Roanoke? Well, the mountains between here and Roanoke, yes. Why do you, why do you mention Roanoke in a startled tone? Oh, no, we, we, we were just told, um, you know, the old gaffer said, under no circumstances are we to go to Roanoke. It's dangerous. Probably wise advice. However, if you wish to go adventuring, little danger might be in your future. Hmm. Just a little bit of danger, as long as it doesn't get in the way of Elevensies. Well, quite. No, no adventure should, should be so dangerous that it gets in the way of Elevensies. And we're thinking of going to Cantioch. Have you been to Cantioch? Uh, yes, I... I have travelled there. Augustus doesn't want to get into where he's from. Is it worth visiting? Is that is that a good adventure? Certainly. It's a fascinating continent full of rich variety and wonderful adventures for you fine gentlemen to enjoy. Did you hear that? Rich variety and adventure amazing. Oh, well, don't let us stop you. You um, good, good luck on your adventure. Same to you, good gentlemen. Do enjoy your elevenses each day. Of, of, of course. Uh, so Augustus sort of... With- with difficulty doesn't roll his eyes and then joins well doesn't join talk but like talk starts just looking for maps someone comes from behind a curtained area near the counter hello we got more customers what are you after you big and robot what are you after stock won't respond and we'll carry on perusing okay so augustus will will cut in and say my automaton servant is searching for a map what map is it you're after i would like a map of the mountains to the north of this city that should be simple enough you got five gold on you. I can give you a map right now. Five gold, you say? Well, these are the finest maps in all of Sleet Home. Well, I would like to see it. He reaches under the counter, pulls out a map, rolls it out. There you go. That is the most up-to-date map we have of the Moonshadow Mountains. Okay, so Augustus looks at the map. Do I need to do any kind of check to see if it does it like a good, reliable map? No, it, it, it does. It looks like a beautifully drawn map. It's on fine parchment, obviously drawn with incredible inks, and it gives a fairly detailed breakdown of the mountainous region. The area to the north, which you, can, which you know to be Roanoke, has no detail in it at all. It's just a blank space. And does it look like there's enough detail that we could pick out possible places for the 
haven people to go to there there are certainly regions on their kind of flatlands near the foothills that would be good positions for new settlements i shall give you three gold for this acceptable map and he takes out three gold well i can give you half of the map for three gold or you can pay me the five gold for the whole map it's three half of five it is here well i do apologize for mishearing you and augustus provides six gold to prove his maths is correct (laughs) he rolls up the map hands it to you and slides a gold back i don't need overpaying i just need a fair price augustus just looks at him sternly wondering how he got into this absolutely fucking mess (laughs) and if there's nothing else i kindly ask that you leave my shop yes i'd be delighted and augustus rolls up the map hands it to tok tok will put it in his bag and uh follow augustus out Augustus Sino, man of the people. <laughs> Absolutely. That went so badly wrong. <laughs> After we leave the shop, uh, Toc will um, pass Augustus five gold for the map, considering it was his, his sort of plan. Augustus, it may be an idea not to announce our plans to passers-by. The Shadow Vanguard may be listening. And Toc will take out the little cat totem and again have a little scan around behind them. Very wise, Toc. I merely suggested we were attempting to go mountaineering in those mountains. Difficult to request a map of those mountains without giving some sense that we might go there. Though I quite agree we should not reveal our true purpose. I find this to be acceptable. You see nothing through the cat totem. Back to uh, Vander and Benny in Elanders. Um, He has served you both a cup of tea. And he started embroidering once again. Isn't it, Benny? Vander slurps. Nice cup of tea, yeah. Lovely. So this harem, what, what is it? More of an idea at this stage. Nothing special about it just yet. Though it might behoove you to remember the sigil. Because of what it will become one day? I sincerely hope so. Who's to say, though? His eyes narrow slightly as he looks at you. I shall commit it to my memory. Excellent. I'm nearly finished. And he displays the exact replica of your hand-drawn heron. How's that? Vanda's one eye examines the, the sigil and is impressed. That is an exact copy, even finer perhaps than what I drew. I'm in your debt. Excellent craftsmanship. No, you're not in my debt, for you have paid for it. Allow me to place it on your shoulders. Why, thank you. And Vander climbs painfully to his feet. He takes your the cloak that he lent you off and places your cloak back on your shoulders, making sure to just move it so that it hangs perfectly. There we are. That's better. And Vander tightens his cloak up around himself, still clearly needing the cloak to defend himself even from, as I say, a mild day. I believe that concludes our business, though it was, may I say, a pleasure to see you again. The pleasure was all mine, and I look forward to hearing more about this heron. I'm sure in time you will, and Vander extends his hand. Alanda shakes it. Well, Benny, things to do, as Vander marches, as far as Vander can march, in the direction of the door. Thank you for the tea, Elanda. I found the experience not unpleasant, if somewhat baffling. Have it. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Good luck, Benny. It was a genuine pleasure to meet you. 
then he waves as he leaves. And Alanda goes back to hemming the trousers. Uh, yeah, we should probably go and pick up a purchase, shouldn't we? Agreed. There is one final stop I'm intrigued to make. How would you feel about a quick detour to visit Wonder Emporium? I've heard glorious things. In, in that opposite, the Tamrace Foundation. You know, I hadn't considered that. Vanda says, looking like he had considered that. How about another time? You're quite sure? Well, physics is magical items, right? That's correct. But I don't know about you, but I've got 500 gold. And if, you know, if the uh, fire-resistant armor is going for 5,000, I don't know what we're going to buy in physics that's, uh, you know, going to get us anywhere. Very true. Very sensible. I guess I'm more into rolling the dice, as it were. Turning over the cards, as it were. (laughs) (laughs) I am actually genuinely terrified. Um, Then perhaps back to Floral and Hardy's, where we hopefully will meet up with the rest of the band. Yeah, sounds like a plan to me. Banda nods and begins in the direction of Floral and Hardy's. Let's see how far wrong they could possibly have gone when buying a simple horse and cart. (laughs) As you guys leave Elanders, a gentleman in a beautiful emerald green three-piece suit bumps into you, Benny. Oh, pardon, that was my mistake. And he has onyx black skin with pale white hair and pointy ears. No problem, pal. And then immediately check all my pockets. Because that is Benny's response to being bumped into you. Because if it was him doing the bumping, the other person would no longer have their purse. As far as you can tell, everything is still on your person. And he gives you a little bow and turns around and heads off easterly direction. Do I sort of recognise that's what race he is? Is it quite unusual to see someone with kind of onyx skin, is it not? It is. Uh, so he, he is an underdrow uh, who have known who known to live underground. It's very strange to see one above ground and in an Omish city. What a finely dressed gentleman. Yeah, dazzling. Wonder where he does his shopping. Most certainly Batistutas, I would think, by the cut. Augustus and Tuck, it only takes around five or six minutes uh, before a pair of champion stallion-like white horses are dragged up the street by a gnome uh, and tied up outside of the woodwork shop. Finally, something goes right. Ariana Calhoun leaves the shop and gestures towards the horses. And then from around the back, a beautiful stagecoach is brought out with a heron stood on an apricot livery painted on it how's the artwork the artwork's very good it's really like the the gnomish people do not mess around when it comes to building and making things Uh, and it is if anything it's probably worth twice what you actually paid for it in terms of its size impressiveness and design you know they say buy high sell higher having given you guys the stagecoach and the horses ariana kind of wipes her hands off so i i spent the 400 gold on the Stage coach that leaves me with 28 gold uh so i sort of talk's having no part of this <laughs> talk might i borrow a, so a small number of gold coins from you on a solemn promise to return it to you augustus is it necessary to purchase the finest horses in ovic they are to be used for a single trip to the airship and then discarded well i 
certainly do not intend to discard these fine horses. There is no place to keep horses on the airship, Augustus, nor a cart. Well, we'll find a way. Who knows where we're going to go? Always good to travel in style, Tok, I find. We are going to go to the mountains north of Ovik, the Moonshadow Mountains. There will be no place for a cart or horses upon the airship, Augustus. Perhaps we can help the people of Haven move their heavy belongings with our excellent coach and horses. We are to help them move with the airship, Augustus. There are mountains. Carts cannot fly over mountains. Well, Tok, with the right horses, you never know what mountains you might scale. Your knowledge of horses exceeds my own. <laughs> Augustus, I guess, nods at that, <laughs> thinking that... I mean, he famously, he and his horse failed a drugs test at the age of 18. Since then, he hasn't really been that interested in them. He blames the horse for that whole situation. Ariana is still waiting for payment for the horses. Tok, might I borrow some gold and on a solemn promise to return it to you? Tok will lend it to him. Augustus is good for it. Who could be more good for the money than good old Augustus? You have yourself a magnificent stagecoach with two of the finest horses in Ophic. So deliciously unnecessary. Talk, would you like to drive or sit in the comfort in the coach with me? Actually, Talk, you might have to drive because I just realized if you sit inside, we don't have a driver. I have no experience driving. <laughs> I will walk. I may lead the animals if you wish. You'll get the hang of it. And when you turn around, you just see the door closing as Augustus goes inside. Has no experience with horses, so he doesn't really know how to lead them. So he'll just <laughs> walk up to the horses and say, Follow and turn around and walk down the street. <laughs> I really want to walk up to a real horse and just do that and see what happens. Cool. Can I have an animal handling check, please? You may. It will not be the best. Uh... <laughs> wow. <laughs> he has rolled a five. So Tok Tok hasn't like grabbed the reins or a lead or anything. He's just said follow and walked off. After the the cart doesn't move, I guess Augustus wearily gets out. Sees Tok isn't there. Augustus will now climb up into the driver's seat and use his expert knowledge of horseplay to move the horses. Give me an animal handling check, please. Oh, bugger. Oh, bugger in hell. Also five. <laughs> we can't move the cart. Betty and Vanda, you have returned to Floral and Hardy's just in time to see Tog marching through the streets alone. A few seconds later, careering round the streets at high speed, is Augustus riding the most magnificent stagecoach and just smashing it into things while these two wild horses just kind of drag in every direction. Somehow he cuts an incredible figure despite having zero control over it. Yeah, Augustus is 100% styling this out. He's, he's not He's not looking like it's out of control, even though it's very obviously out of control. The stagecoach passes Tug at high speed and crashes into a stand that has tomatoes and potatoes and various other vegetables, which kind of collapse in on the cart, and Augustus steps off. Banda, Benny, Augustus has procured a cart. Benny is wearing a, a, a weary expression, which sort of suggests that he pretty much expected this to happen. And I say to Tok, I know how you love a turn of phrase, Tok. So it might be useful to familiarise yourself with this one, which is, couldn't organise a piss up in a brewery. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the turning of phrases, Benny. 
that suggestion appears unsanitary. And you are all back together. Augustus climbs into the cart. There's a small gnomish server who's going absolutely ballistic <laughs> towards Augustus. Why, what, my one remaining silver coin flies out of the window. <laughs> the gnome catches it in his hand and kind of grumpily just goes back to try and fix up his stall. Can anyone explain what is going on? Why Why have we got a stagecoach and two white stallions and a picture of a bloody heron on the side? Augustus required a vehicle and horses that did not scrape by. He has spent a significant sum <laughs> of your money. <laughs> Augustus, if you think that we're splitting the cost of this, you've got another thing coming. I'm telling you that. A surly silence floats gently from the cart from the stagecoach window. I'm desperate to know what a surly silence actually sounds like. (laughs) And why is everyone drawing sodding herrings on him? Herrings? Why is everyone drawing (laughs) sodding herons on everything today? What's going on? Oh, I think the herrings would have been such a good name for our group. (laughs) Benny, you notice that the heron is stood on an apricot. A heron on an apricot. Have you lost your mind? How is that even like? Is it like a very large apricot? Is the heron just stood on a no, on we a, are a, an appropriately sized apricot, just like under one foot, like a football? We are a group that is in total balance. Uh, Vander, what are you doing while this is all going on? I admire the heron, then turn to Benny and say, "I don't suppose this is a problem that falls into your department." When you say this, do you mean Augustus in general? Because the answer's no to that. I had a suspicion that uh, that might be the case. I'm going to process this whilst heading back to get our supplies. Vanda says, sidestepping the entire scene and walking in the direction of the supplies. <laughs> uh, I'll give you I'll give you an end, Vanda, and I follow along. The money I've got left is four copper. So I'm going to find a strong-looking lad to marshal the horses as if I could do it myself, but I just, you know, I fancy finding a, you know, a helpful boy to do it for me so I can focus on more important things rather than like, I'm totally incompetent and can't drive my own carriage. (laughs) So I'm hoping a copper would be enough to find a a stable boy to help me, you know, bring this situation under control. Well, it just so happens that the street urchin who you saw earlier is kind of sniggering at the scene uh, and is the only strong-looking boy you can see in the area. Boy, organise these horses. Oh, it'll cost you. I flip him a copper. One copper? I flip him another copper, and this one comes with a raised eyebrow. Ooh, two copper. That's fair, that's fair. Uh, And he steps forward and grabs the reins of the horses and immediately gets them into a, a more functioning position away from the crashed vegetable cart. Honestly, what a place to put a vegetable cart. Um, And the rest of you go in after a brief interaction with Mr. Hardy. You get all of your supplies and begin transporting them to the stagecoach. Having stacked out the entire stagecoach, you are ready to depart. Now the stagecoach pays off. We are going to make quite the exit. Banda. With all the other supplies having been loaded onto the cart, you wander back into Floral and Hardy, and he very, very carefully pulls out a stack of parchment face down and slides it across the counter towards you. There you go. Very kind. I leaf with my thumb to look at just one of the cards, if you will, and am pleased by the craftsmanship. That is exactly what I ordered. 
I appreciate your work. Very fine. No problem. Uh, if you don't mind, and because I like being honest and straightforward, I have made one for myself. I wondered if you might. That is good news indeed. I trust you understand the full ramifications. I do indeed. Then I do hope our paths cross again soon. And Vander extends his hand. As he shakes his hand, he feels something different in the handshake. It's just a strange movement in the handshake. It's difficult to describe, but very distinctive. This is like a secret handshake, Freemason style. His eyes flash down to the hand and then back up into your eye. And he gives an almost imperceptible nod and replicates the handshake back to you. Very fine indeed. Good luck to you, stranger. And my regards to Benny as well. I will pass them along. And with that, Vander turns to leave the store. Who's driving the cart on the way out? God help me, but Vander steps towards the uh, the horses. Are you, you going to pass those regards along? <laughs> Vander's focus right now is on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vander, can I have an animal handling check, please? Oh my god. Okay. 20. Woo! With incredible skill and grace, Vanda climbs stiffly aboard the stagecoach, and with one crack of the reins, the horses begin trotting carefully and in a dead straight line as he's able to perfectly negotiate around the streets as you head out of Slateholme. He turns to the group as he does so. Animals love me. <sighs> <laughs> uh, well, talk and tick are uh, a bit too heavy for the stagecoach, so they're going to run alongside. This is why we got the finest horses. Nothing is too heavy for them. You know, I completely forgot about tick this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> the new Rosalind. Fair enough. The, the coach sweeps out of town, leaving <laughs> tick and talk just staggering along in their wake. I, I'm going to say that this is such a well-made stagecoach that both talk and tick can stand on the back. Benny is sitting hunched over with his eyes shut. Not a fan of stagecoaches? Don't like horses. No one likes horses. Horses freak me out. (laughs) More afraid of you than they are of them. Oh God, we got that wrong. No, they're not. Weird eyes. Don't like them. Just let's get it over with. Benny, can I have, can you please roll a D20? Eight. Your journey back to the Sterling passes without incident. So you guys make the half-day trip back to the Sterling and arrive with the sun having set and night is upon you. You pull up the stagecoach outside. Thank you. What would you like to do? Uh, load up the uh, the gear. Tick and talk will start loading up the, the gear onto the airship. Uh, Augustus, probably with Vander's consent, wants to get one of the ship's automatons to kind of secure the horses. You know, like just to, I don't know what they've got, but you know, like... Flex, Vander says in the darkness. Yes, Vander. See if you can locate the pulley system. I want to judge whether we can load some of this fine, if slightly peculiar, 
uh, extra, I don't know what we'd call this. Uh, I see. I'm looking to see if we can load the coach. I don't know if that's even possible, but that would be possible, Vander. Excellent. How far is Haven from where we are? Because could could I not ride the coach and horses there? It's a day's airship travel over mountains, so you'd probably take a week or more, I'd imagine, <laughs> if if there's even a road, which there isn't. Two hundred and forty miles away from where you are. Draw a voyage of self-discovery for one. Oh no! What have I done? Uh, yep, load up the coach and horses. Load them up. That is, unless Augustus, you wish to make the trip and maybe commune with your various gods. Uh, I rather think the airship is the right man for the job here. He says, not re- not having realised that you couldn't coach your way to Haven. And an odds at Plex. Yes, Augustus. Yes, Vander. Plex summons the other two automatons and they begin the not simple task of loading the stagecoach and horses aboard the Sterling. You are able to decant all of the stuff that you have bought onto the Sterling and with the moon high in the sky, anything else anyone would like to do? Vander has been directing operations from, you guessed it, the poop deck. Augustus, this bounder captain we are entertaining as our guest. I suggest it may be time to consider what we shall do with his delightful presence. Yes, it's certainly a thorny issue. I agree, and you'll be delighted to know I see little point in information from him, as it will be old and likely inaccurate. I think the question now is how best to release him, either from the ship or in a more permanent way. Well, let us consider the options to release him from the ship first. That would be simply to untie him. He is only wearing his underpants, I believe, and setting him loose in the wild. I'm not certain, Vander. I wonder what harm he might do to us should he be make his way back to Slateholm. I would imagine little harm will come of releasing him at this stage. More likely, I suspect, to perish of exposure. I see little benefit in leaving him to die of exposure. It seems cowardly, if anything, to keep our hands clean of a killing and merely leave a man to die. Very true, but another solution will cost time, possibly the lives of others, Vander says, enjoying the complexity of the conundrum he's now weaving for Augustus. Mm -hmm. If we have time, there is a third possibility. He may yet be of use to us. Pick him in as a pet. An interesting idea. In a manner of speaking, we may keep him aboard the airship whilst we search for New Haven's new location. Whilst on board, we can plant false information within his hearing, misdirection, and then release him to the bounder station. He would carry false information, cause division. Interesting idea. One idea that might take a bit of finesse. Indeed. It is as you taught. In a battle of the mind, you must divide and conquer, Vander. Compelling, says Vander. Very wise, Tok. Looking at Tok with some regard. We must continue our lessons. And I feel we have a solution for our bound of captain friend. I suggest we make sail. Time will not waste. Agreed. And with that, Vander turns and barks more orders at the automatons, asking them to speed their efforts so we can get underway. Yes, Vander. So once we're on the airship, there's actually one more thing Tot wanted to do. That is, at some point, whilst you know everyone's busy, he wanted to um, to talk to Plex at some point when he's away from the others on his duties. 
In fact, he'll, he'll invite him down to Tuck's workshop. Tuck, you head down, having asked Plex to join you in your workshop. As you walk down the corridor towards it, you see the the room where the bounder captain is tied up. The door is open, and there is just an empty chair with no bounder captain. That's probably something you tell the others immediately. So Tok will go and alert the others to the bounder captain have disappeared. In fact, he will call out, Alarm! Alarm! <laughs> Vander appears unnaturally quickly. Vander, the bounder captain is not within his quarters. He may be at large on the ship. We There may be danger. Rex? Yes, Wander? Would you be so kind as to tell me where the bounder captain is currently? The bounder captain escaped. Do you know when? We did not see it happen. There's no, no clue as to the direction he took. Well, we can only hope the elements have swallowed him whole. I suggest speed is our friend at this stage. Plex, please return to the deck and conclude our departure plans. Yes, Wander. Tok is going to go look for Rosalind to make sure she's safe. You head to the sleeping quarters of Rosalind and you find the bed in neatly made and there is a small letter sat on top. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Tok will pick up the letter and open it. Has she run off with the bounder captain? The letter reads, Dear Tok, thank you for the kindness you've shown me over the last few weeks. I hope that I served you and the rest of the crew well during that time and I contributed in my own small way to the success of this party. I must admit, adventuring is not what I imagined it would be, but perhaps the gods allowed me to join you to open horizons to new opportunities. Bardo Schultz very kindly paid me a visit and offered me a place in his new adventuring party, The Ungovernables. The name is a bit silly, but he's such a kind and heroic soul that I didn't think I could pass up the opportunity. I'm sure one of the other automatons could take over the role of cook for the crew of the Sterling in my absence, and I wish you, Master Benny, Master Vander, and Master Adam Fustus all the best in your further travels. Perhaps fate will bring us together once again. Your friend, Rosalind. I feel genuine shame. Yeah, talk will uh, take it to the mess and call the others. Bardle seducer, isn't he? <laughs> Stop having <laughs> dear. <laughs> I am unsure as the biological possibility of that course of action, Benny. What are we going to do? Are we sure, firstly, that Bounder Captain is off the ship? Even even in her disappearance, we're going to ignore Rosalind. Pressing <laughs> <laughs> um, concerns. Got to stay true to yourselves. I'm assuming that Rosalind let him go. There's no mention of it in the note. Rosalind. Well, we sort of done us a favour there, haven't we? Or Bardle let him let him go. Gentlemen, I believe that again, haste is the only possible solution to our current predicament. We have left some loose strings here, strings that we can't tie back up into a nice, neat bow. I suggest we do what we appear to be best at and make our way out of Dodge. But, Vander, we are not in Dodge. We are in Slateholm. We certainly are, Vander says, looking visibly pained. <laughs> Augustus approaches Tok. 
and solemnly holds out a promissory note for 100 gold. (laughs) (laughs) And with the sterling taking off into the night sky, heading in the direction of Haven or the foothills to the north of the Moonshadow Mountains, we will end it there. Congratulations on surviving a shopping trip, everyone. Big milestone. Got a bit hairy at points. <laughs> I think mean, no talk was quite close to murdering Augustus at one point. <laughs> I've never seen Harry look visibly angry at someone's behaviour. It was In my defence, I didn't really appreciate what I was doing. I just thought it was funny. Now I realise I've made a colossal tactical error. But all I can say, Harry, is I didn't really realise that at the time. Uh, no, you. it's just like it's taken us so long to recruit that amount of money <laughs> would you like to know how much money that is in real money Forty-one thousand two hundred dollars <laughs> for the ocean for augustus that's absolutely fine really? it all felt, fine. felt fairly in character though didn't it it, all felt like... it did and and to be fair like i couldn't like in character as doc i couldn't object as strongly as i wanted to I felt like you objected about as strongly as you could. <laughs> Which was to lend him a hundred gold. <laughs> Dice Company is not about impressive people. <laughs> that, could be a, that could be a tagline, couldn't it? And a new slogan was yeah. born. Talking about impressive, shall I get down my medal again? <laughs> oh, God. As long as you're not wearing shades again, I think we're fine. Thanks for listening. Please consider supporting Dice Company on Patreon, where for the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to a whole other show, Extra Roll, as well as an ad-free listening experience. The Dice Company Discord server, along with our socials, can be found on our link tree in the show notes. If you enjoyed this chapter, please like and subscribe, and don't forget to recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. And we'll see you next time on Dice Company. Dice Company.